tonight, I'd like to thank you for joining us here today uh, on our first uh, podcast. Uh, this is called the Profitable Podcast uh, because Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And so there's a lot of things we can do in this world, but anytime we spend time in the word of God, it's always profitable. Now, today we're going to be starting the book of Second Peter. And Second uh, Peter is a small book, only three chapters. Uh, but my, what a huge message in such a small book. Uh, chapter one, Peter's going to be writing and uh, this is Peter's last epistle that he writes. And uh, even in chapter one, he speaks of his death coming. And that's one reason that he's writing to uh, these believers in Christ uh, is to encourage them. And he's going to uh, he's going to instruct them uh, in spiritual growth. In chapter one, he's going to tell them to add things to their faith and uh, point them to the word of God. And then in chapter two, he's going to warn them. Uh, he's going to warn them just like there were false prophets among the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, he's going to warn them that there are false teachers that are going to be among them. And then in chapter three, uh, he's going to point out the fact that there's going to be mockers in their day uh, that they're going to be looking around they're going to be saying where is the promise of his coming uh, but peter is going to point out that these people they're willingly ignorant of what the word of god has laid out and he's going to point them to the fact that the lord is not slack concerning his promise uh, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering to us word uh, not willing that any should perish that should but that all should come to repentance and he's going to uh, bring them around that truth rally them around that truth and then he's going to point out he, he's going to say in verse 14 wherefore beloved seeing that ye look for such things he says be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot blameless and uh, an account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. And he's going to end this small epistle of three chapters. He's going to end it with this statement, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter understands that the only uh, defense uh, against deceitful teachers and mockers in our day is spiritual growth. Uh, the only defense against being deceived is to know the truth. And so Peter's going to write this epistle here, and he begins the first two verses uh, with, uh, with an introduction. Listen to what he says in verse 1 chapter one i hope you'll take your bible and follow along with us as we go verse by verse chapter upon chapter uh, he says simon peter 
a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter identifies himself, uh, but also identifies himself as a servant. Uh, that word servant right there means bond slave. Peter understood that he was not his own, but that he had been bought with a price with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and that he was a bond servant of the Lord. Now he's going to identify who he is writing to. He says to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, this is Peter, the bond servant and apostle uh, that's writing to you that are saved. You've obtained that like precious faith. They have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now watch as he uh, he steers them toward their wealth uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they've not been left uh, to be beggars as they go through this world. They, they have an abundance of resources. Listen to what he says in verse 3. He says, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, the, the Lord has given, we that have obtained this like precious faith, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have all the resources that we need today uh, to, to walk with peace, to walk with love, to know him, and to walk uprightly, to walk by faith. All these resources have been given to us through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. The Christian life begins with faith in the finished work of Christ and what he's done there on the cross. Uh, when we were born into the family of God, we're complete in him. He gives everything that we will ever need for that life and godliness. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 of Christ. He says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now watch as he says, you've had all these resources. Now watch verse four. He says, whereby. That word whereby there uh, points to the, the channel as an act, as an action. By, by this right here, this is how all of this flows into your life. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. He doesn't say that they're just promises. He doesn't just say that they're great promises. He says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises. My question to you today is, you know, are the promises of God great to you today? Are, are the promises of God precious to you today? Uh, Peter is pointing out the channel of our understanding, the source 
of all of these things. It is the very promises of God. And notice what he says here. He says, uh, he says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. These exceeding great and precious promises, uh, they are the way in which uh, we take all these things that have been given unto us and we apply them to our life. Uh, it is through uh, believing those promises, acting upon those promises. And we know those promises to be uh, the, the word of God itself. Uh, the Bible as a whole is a collection of God's promises. Uh, the Bible as a as a whole is the uh, is God's account of the story of the redemption for mankind from the very beginning to the end. He says, if you want to be a partaker of that divine nature, you know the word of God. You allow those promises. Remember, he's not writing to people that are lost. He's writing to people that are saved. And so he says that these, that you might be partakers, that you might have that strength of the divine nature. And watch what he says here, the defense that these promises give us. He says, um, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He understands that what we eat upon, what we take in, is determined by our nature, by our desire. Why? Because nature determines appetite. Uh, animals go about their habits because of their nature. Uh, if you just look over to chapter 2 and verse 22, he's going to use this illustration about the nature of false teachers. But when he comes to verse 22, he says, But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned uh, to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Uh, Peter says, listen, the defense of you escaping the corruption in the world is contained in the promises of God. Uh, they're there to help you, to give you that defense that you escape the corruption that is in the world. And he says, having escaped that corruption, uh, that corruption is, is through lust. You see, it's only through a life that values those great and precious promises that will live for God. When we are uh, saved, we possess a divine nature. And godly living uh, is the result of cultivating that new nature that lives within us. And so Peter points them to the precious promises. And watch what he says in verse 5. He says, and besides this... Okay, you have all that the resources that you need. Uh, you have exceeding great and precious promises. Uh, here's your privilege. But now here's your responsibility. Uh, he says, and beside this, giving all diligence. Give all diligence. This is something that your responsibility is to make sure that you apply these things in your life. Giving all diligence add to your faith virtue now I remind you he is speaking to save people those that have obtained 
like precious faith. Uh, he's not telling them to add to their faith to become saved. Uh, no, he, un he has already set forth the very fact uh, of faith, uh, the fact that they are saved. They have come already come to that place uh, where they realize that they were lost and undone. Uh, they have repented uh, of their rebellion against God. What is, what is this faith? Uh, true faith must have an object, shouldn't it? You, faith is not something that you can just go out there and say, well, I've got faith and, and I believe this uh, tree can be moved because I have faith. Like some type of believing in your mind uh, is faith. No, faith must have an object. And that's why Jesus Christ came and he paid sin's debt. And he'd done a work there on the cross that our faith is centered in him. We're trusting in his work. It has a object and our object is Jesus Christ. That is what true faith is. And this faith right here that he says to add to, it means that they have repented of their rebellion against Christ and made him Lord of their life. And they believed and accepted and received him as their savior for his work on the cross. And so he says, you, you're saved. Now, here is the next step. You add to your faith. Now, watch the first thing that he says to add, because each of these have their place uh, in this list. He's going to give seven things. And these seven things are in order. As you logically look through them, they're in order. And the first thing he mentions is virtue. Virtue. He says, add to your faith virtue. This word virtue means the courage to choose right. Uh, it, it means that I have purposed in my heart that I will follow Christ and his commandments as truth for me. Virtue comes from putting Christ as Lord of your life. Remember, Peter says, I'm a bond slave. A bond slave has no will of his own. Uh, a bond slave says, Master, whatever you want for my life, that's what I want. Lord, whatever you say is right, that's right. Lord, whatever you say is wrong, that's wrong. Virtue is the submitting of our identities to that of Christ. You see, that enables courage. It gives us courage when we're not worried about what people think anymore. Sometimes people do wrong and they do things they know they shouldn't do because of peer pressure. But when you have virtue, when you add virtue to your life, it enables a courage whereby we conquer all the enemies and difficulties uh, that uh, come against our faith because we're no longer living for ourselves. We're living for him. And next he says, add to virtue knowledge. Think about this. What good would it do for you to have all knowledge if you didn't have the courage to follow what was right in that knowledge? This knowledge here that he's mentioning, uh, this knowledge, uh, it, it says, you know, I will practice God's word in my life and learn at every chance. 
this knowledge is is more than just facts it's a practical knowledge it, it's experienced this knowledge is ever growing and ever maturing in our faith this knowledge applies the word of god to all of our life and seeks to prove it by living it add to faith virtue to virtue knowledge Paul put it like this in Romans 12, 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, the word of God that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, you're renewing your mind that you might practically live it out in your life. James tells us not to be hearers of the word only, but to be doers of the word. So Peter's telling them, all right, you're saved. You got your faith there. Add virtue to that. If you're going to mature, if you're going to grow in grace and knowledge, as he's going to point them to at the very end of the book, he's going to encourage them in that. He says, you're going to have to add virtue. You're going to have to add that practical knowledge of what you know to be right. You're putting it in practice in your life. And he says to add to that, he says in verse six, and to knowledge temperance. Temperance says, I will control my desires that my actions might be right before God. Temperance basically means self-control. And this deals with the pleasures in life. The hard times, we don't have no problem uh, trying to restrain that, do we? But the pleasures in life. Uh, Paul many times compared the Christian to an athlete an athlete must exercise and discipline himself. Peter says you add to that knowledge. You add to that knowledge the self-control with the pleasures of life. Proverbs 16.32 says this. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that, notice, ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. My, what, uh, what uh, emphasis is put on temperance there. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. How true that is. How true that is. A person that uh, has no has no self-control when it comes to the pleasures of life and and they allow themselves to be taken up by those pleasures uh, it doesn't matter how much knowledge they have does it no if they allow themselves to be controlled by those things and not controlled by the spirit of god uh, they are at the mercy of their desires at that time you see, the only hope for self-control is to be Holy Spirit controlled. This gives a starting point in our life. 
Many times there are things in our lives that in themselves they're not wrong. But they do not add to our walk with Christ, nor do they strengthen us. We must learn to say no to self. Life's not about me and my wants, and but it's about giving glory to the Lord. It's about honoring Christ. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 23. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Many times people will ask, well, what's wrong with this or what's wrong with that? That's not the question we should be asking as a Christian. We should be asking what's right with this. What's right with this in my life? What, what is it directing? What is it investing in my life? That's going to give honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says all things are lawful. But all things edify not. You see we need temperance. That deals with the pleasures of life. But watch what he said to add to temperance. He says patience. And to temperance patience. Patience deals with the problems of life. Patience is the ability to endure when things are difficult. Patience relates to the pressures and the problems of life. Warren Wiersbe said this. He points out, he says, often the person who gives into pleasures is not disciplined enough to handle the pressures. And most of the time they give up. How true that is uh, patience is only learned through trials paul pointed this out in romans 5 2 uh, but whom also we have uh, by whom also we have access by faith into grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of god and listen to what he says and not only so but we glory in tribulations also knowing that uh, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. We, lived in a, we live in a fallen world. We live in a, a place that is not right yet. Uh, we live in a world that uh, has death and sin. Uh, but we're going to a world one day where death and sin will not exist. And uh, there's time now to have patience when things are not going right. We look to God and we trust God. Uh, we endure when things are difficult. And, uh, and so he says, add, add to your faith temperance and to, pay, and to temperance patience. And notice the next thing in verse 7. And, and, to, and to patience godliness. Godliness here. Godliness simply means godlikeness. Uh, this comes from uh, one's reverence and piety toward God. Uh, it's what separates the Christian uh, from all other religions that have good works as their dogma. Godliness is the practical outworking of our relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father. Uh, we make our decisions and change our actions based on pleasing God and not man. Without godliness, 
we're no more than just uh, pagan moralists. Uh, you see, if God's not the center of everything that we do, uh, we're no more than uh, someone in India that worships a statue or in China that worships a statue. Godliness, he is our center. He is the one that we are imitating today. Uh, he is the one that is the basis of why we make our decisions and why we change our actions because we want to please him. You remember Jesus said the, the first and great commandment was to love the Lord thy God. And, and uh, so uh, he says to add godliness. And to godliness he says brotherly kindness. This brotherly kindness here is a fraternal love. Uh, it's, it's there we, we love those people that are saved. Uh, it is our bond together in the body of Christ. You think about this. We have the same birth, a spiritual birth. Everyone that is in the body of Christ has been born again. They've been all made to drink of one spirit, Paul says. We have the same Lord. That is Christ. Uh, we don't have to uh, try to make ourselves like one another. Uh, we are not the standard. He is the standard. If we'll get the uh, if we'll get the vertical right, the horizontal will be right. We have the same truth. Uh, it is the scriptures. This person doesn't have truth for themselves, and that person doesn't have truth for themselves. Uh, the child of God only has one truth. It is the Bible. And we have the same hope. Uh, eternity with Christ. I remind you that is God's end of redemption. That is the point of everything uh, that he has done for man. It is that one day the redeemed will spend all of eternity with him. And you know what? Those that are saved they are the ones that will be there with us. There's to be that fraternal love one for another. And lastly, look at verse 7. He says, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, many times we get these things out of line, don't we? Many times people want to put charity first. But Peter says virtue and knowledge must come first. Uh, charity just means love in action. Uh, when Jesus said that we were to love one another and, you know, by that all men would know that we're his disciples. Uh, he wasn't saying to love one another at the cost of vir at virtue. Uh, he was not saying to love one another at the cost of knowledge. Uh, he wasn't saying to love one another at the cost of temperance or patience. Uh, you see, this love, love is meant to be uh, that outer garment uh, that unites and comforts all of these other characteristics. Uh, you see, love uh, is not love if it's compromised doctrine. Uh, if it's uh, taken Christ out from his throne to be the only way, the truth and the life, you know, and no man cometh unto the father, but my, by me, true love does not counsel those things. True love is meant to wrap around the truth 
of who Christ is and all of these other things uh, uniting and comforting these characteristics. Paul said this in Colossians 3, 13 and 14. He says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness or completeness. It is by uh, love to God and man that love is preserved. Love begets love. The only way we can love man the way we should is if we have God in his rightful place. And we love God and we understand God and, and we walk with God. That is the only way that we can love man. Love with understanding and cor correct motive increases itself. It reproduces itself. And so Peter here, remember, he's pointed, pointed out to them that they have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He's pointed them to those precious promises. And he's given them seven things to add to their faith that helps them to mature, that helps them to understand who they are in Christ Jesus. These seven things are the key to a fruitful life for Christ and also a life that can see into the hope of the future and re and is rewarded with a glorious entrance. I hope you'll be back with us next time for the profitable podcast. We're going to pick up right there uh, in verse eight and go down through verse 15. I know uh, Peter tells them this. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next time we come, we're going to look at those things. I don't know about you, but I want to be fruitful as a Christian. I want to be able to have sight. I don't want to be blind because one day we're going to walk into heaven and we want to walk into heaven with that abundant entrance as we come before our Savior. Hope you'll take some time. Come back with us for uh, the next uh, podcast of the Profitable Podcast. God bless you.